Welcome to LOI Weekly, the ninth episode of our second season with Johnny Ward here and Daniel McDonnell. And uh, this is a real Dublin 8 uh, Inchy Core themed show today because we have one of the locals in, Brendan Clark, and uh, who's now the Limerick Keeper, for, formerly of Pats, and he will have interesting views on a few matters today. But before all of that, we'll go straight over on the phone right now to the same Pats chairman, Tom O'Mahony, in light of the revelations today that Pats plan to move to the St. Michael's estate. Uh, Tom, this is a plan that I recall in some other form about 20 years ago. I actually have a vision in my head of Pat Dolan standing over this model of a new ground that obviously was never built. Um, but what's happened in the last, uh, the last, I suppose, few few weeks that have made you um, come up with this plan and reveal it this morning? Well, this plan, this, this, the current version of this plan is actually about eight or nine years in brewing. It was originally, Gary Kelleher bought the club about 12 years ago. And um, very quickly came to the view, although other people had different views at the time, that the future of the club had to be an inch of core. And, um, but he, he, he knew that for a really sustainable future, we were going to have to develop Richmond Park. And you've all been in Richmond Park and it's a lovely stadium, but it would be very, very difficult to redevelop it. So about eight or nine years ago, he did bring a kind of a first vision of this to Dublin City Council. But at that, at that stage... They, they were very much committed to a redevelopment for St. Michael's Estate, which was going to be done with, with, with uh, another particular property developer. And then, of course, the, the Celtic Tiger collapsed, etc., etc., and everything, um, everything went in abeyance. But Dublin City Council, over the last year or so, have made it clear that they now want to proceed with the development of this site. The site ha- has been cleared. All the housing that was on it, uh, you know, the old um, St. Michael's Estate is, is all long gone. Um, there's a few boxes that can be ticked by doing the right thing here. The first one is there is obviously a national housing crisis, and this is a prime area where you could have several hundred units of good quality housing right beside a Lewis line, close to town, and so on. So obviously that's an important part of Dublin City Council's plans. Also, Inchicore badly needs regeneration. There's very little in the way of good quality retail or good quality community facilities in Inchicore. So Dublin City Council's plan was that they would, by some process, presumably we expect they would go out to tender or whatever, but their plan was that they would get involved with some developer who would do the redevelopment, would provide retail facilities and community facilities and the housing and so on. And we're going on better on that because what we're saying to them is, yes, we will do that, but the icing on the cake would be a stadium on top of the shopping centre. Um, wouldn't be anything like as costly as building a standalone stadium because the infrastructure is already around it. The car, I mean, there would be 350 car parking spaces below the shopping centre to service the shopping. But obviously on match days, that services, supporters, cars, team coaches and all that type of thing. And Tom, you know, this is one in, a, I suppose, in a line of uh, great plans we've seen in the League of Ireland. Um, you even look at the Brandywell, which wasn't fully done uh, as of yet anyway. I, I'm going to ask you a pretty simple question here. How yep. likely is this to actually proceed as planned on time? Well, <clears throat> parts of it are completely outside our control. We, <clears throat> we have no control over, over, over whether Dublin City Council will opt for our proposal or for something else. So that's the first unknown. We think we think this is the best thing for Inchicore, um, so we're hopeful on that. Let's assume that they do go with us. I would expect that decision one way or the other to be made this year. Then it has to go to Planning Commission. So we're probably looking at a period of another year for that. So those are the bits that are outside our control. But what I can say to you is that if we get 
all of that. And we, we're in a situation, say we have planning permission by the end of next year. The consortium that Gareth Keller has put together to do this in terms of the construction, the design, the financing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, can do this in less than two years. And that would mean that if we had plan, if we had the go ahead and planning by the end of next year, the whole thing could be up and ready for us to be playing our matches there at the start of the 2022 season. And, and very briefly, you could still play in Richmond Park up until you move in for your first game in the new round. Oh, oh yeah, nothing, nothing happens to Richmond Park. Uh, no, this, this, is the, this, this will be the new Richmond Park. We're actually calling it the Richmond Arena as a working title because the Richmond Barracks are beside it and Richmond Park is across the road. But I have to stress there's one, I mean, you mentioned the Brandywell and people, in, in some of the reactions that there has been today, I mean, people have been talking about other stadia that exist or other stadia that might happen and so on. There's one massive difference between this and practically every stadium that has ever been built in this country. We're not looking for any government grants. Not, you know, all of the stadia that you mentioned, you'll know, be at Tala, the Aviva, Daily Mount that's going to happen, Croke Park, the Brandywell, Thomond, on and on and on. They all had to go through a process, first of all, of getting government grants approved and all the delays involved with that and so on. This thing, this, the beauty about this is that the rest of the development, most particularly the retail, finances everything else. The stadium is just another floor. It's it's not a big, expensive standalone stadium. It's just another floor. And, and Dan, that's a crucial point you made as well. Well, that well no, I was just going to say, um, Tom. I mean, obviously, the I suppose the the one question that stands out is here. I mean, what type of cost are we looking at for this plan? And I mean, I think it is significant that you're not looking for government grants, but I mean, how do you propose financing it? Because it does sound like an ambitious development, which I assume isn't going to be cheap. So, what type of yeah. sort of estimates are we looking at here? I'm not putting a cost figure on it for two reasons. Number one, we don't know at this stage what exactly would be the housing specification that Dublin City Council would have, the number of units and all that, and obviously that would influence it. But secondly, given that the thing is going to be privately financed, um, then there's all sorts of commercial sensitivities around the figure. But if I, if I, if I was, I mean, if, if you heard a property developer stand up somewhere and say, we've got a prime area where there's going to be a growing population and so on, and we're going to build a shopping centre, you wouldn't say, Oh, well, how are they going to finance the shopping centre? You would say, yeah, that makes sense. Now, what we're saying is we're going to build a shopping centre, but also we're going to put a stadium on top of it, and, the sta- and that part of it will be funded by the shopping centre. And obviously, the future development of Richmond Park is going to have a contribution to make towards this. But this will all be done within the private funding package. We're not looking for money from anybody for this. So, so what do you need to happen now, Tom? Are, are we talking about getting the local councillors, local politicians on, on, on board. I know you spoke to the Evening Herald today, or the Herald, sorry, today, and um, you mentioned you've got a positive response from yeah. some people, but I mean, I mean how, how positive has that been? And is there a sense of, is there sort of competing projects that are looking at this, uh, this area as well? We don't, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm sure there must be, but we don't know. What we have done so far is, before... Um, bringing this to the stage that it is, we went in informally to Dublin City Council, as you would do, to say, look, um, we, don't want to be, we don't want to be doing anything daft here. This is a general plan that we're developing. We want to kind of tease out with you. Will we, will we have an opportunity, you know, to, you know, if we develop this further, will we have an opportunity to be part of any process that might, that might happen? And they actually quite liked what they, what they saw. Obviously, they have to play fair by everybody. They're not going to make a commitment for us to say that we're going to get this. But um, we're certainly we're in the game. We also then have started talking to the people who represent the area, local councillors and so on. And again, 
you know, they're all in the exact same boat. We wouldn't expect anybody to take one look and say, fine, I'm going to stand up everywhere and say I support this. But people are saying, look, this is exciting. We see what this will do for Inchicore. Because, I mean, obviously, you're a sports podcast and I'm the president of a football club. And ultimately, the vision that we have here is that, you know, we'd be sitting in a beautiful new stadium and we don't have to go out to Cala for European matches and we're looking at the football end of it. Mm-hmm. But, the, but I suppose the much bigger picture in this is that, you know, you guys have both been to matches in Richmond Park. You know, you've, you've walked down Emmett Road. You've been around our stadium. You look around you and you see an area crying out for redevelopment and for reinvigoration and so on. This is a new Inchicore town centre. This does wonders for Inchicore. It brings more people to live in the area. It brings more people to shop in the area. It will bring other facilities will come with it. And in the middle of all that will be a stadium, the like of which doesn't exist in the country, but does exist in other places in Europe. I, I, co- I couldn't agree more to Tom. Just, just, just to wrap it up, actually, you know, you see some other um, clubs, I suppose, uh, being run with, with people in charge that fans might be a little bit kind of sceptical of. Everything I've heard of Gareth Kelleher wouldn't suggest that there's any motivation here from him other than to kind of, you know, obviously do a project that's uh, feasible, but but he seems to be a proper St. Pat's man as well at this stage of what he's actually given to the club. Yeah. Garrett, Garrett has owned the club for 12 years. Um, when he came into the club initially, a lot of people were advising him, you know, to take the club away out somewhere else, somewhere else, and, and, and reestablish it somewhere else. Garrett very quickly came to the view, which I 100% share, that you, that would kill St. Patrick's Athletic. The last, I mean, from a financial point of view, everybody knows, for anybody in Garrett's position, the last uh, 10 years or so have been extremely tough, uh, financially tough, stressful, etc., etc. Through all of that, he has stayed with St. Pat's through thick and thin. He is supporting St. Pat's in, you know, he, he is giving financial support to St. Pat's. That's, that's, that, that's, an, that's an open secret. He comes to all of the matches. He's intimately involved in the detail of the club. He is a St. Pat's person through and through. I, I wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't be president of the club, I wouldn't have accepted that responsibility and I wouldn't be doing what I'm now doing in relation to this project if I didn't have 100% faith mm-hmm. and confidence in, in, the, in, in the good intentions of Gareth Keller on this. We're, we're going to let you go Tom because by all accounts you have a lot of uh, media responsibilities this morning um, which is good seeing, yeah. seeing Pat's uh, in the media for, for very good reasons as well and we can only wish you the best and thanks for coming on the show. I'm delighted to give my regards to Clarkie as well when he comes into you. <laughs> grudgingly, grudgingly. Uh, <laughs> thanks a million Tom. Okay, cheerio. Bye. Bye. Um, I, I, I used to live in Inchicore. Um, I cannot but be positive about this. Uh, Brendan, you're obviously local to the area as well. What are your initial thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I grew up by CIE Walks there. Um, obviously started going to games in Richmond and, you know, you do kind of build a love for the, for the stadium and that. But it, like Tom says, the whole, the whole area in Inchicore, from the time I've grown up to what it is now, it's, it's a totally different totally different area you know for the worse uh, it, it's different yeah like i mean it's obviously there's people move out people move in different people and 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 life goes on that's the way things go and the financial side of things has affected inchicore as well you know so i think this would be this would be a massive thing for inchicore um facilities wise i think it it, uh, it really boosts things like in in terms of the, the the shopping center, and I know they've they've only just put in the well a few years ago they had the community center there on on St Michael. So if if that can all be incorporated, it's only it's only a massive positive for the area. Would you be sad to see Richmond Park go, or would you be practical about it? 
the child of me would be, you know, my, my first real memory of a St. Pat's game was the first game back in Richmond Park when they moved from Harold's Cross. So, um, yeah, it would, but, I mean, the League of Ireland has to develop. It, it, it's got to move forward and I think, uh, you know, a nice new stadium like this. You, know, you only have to look at the positivity Shamrock Rovers when they moved to Tallaght kind of brought about the whole league and, and, and stuff like that. So, and, and, and like you said, the Brandywell as well now. So, I think it's only, it's only going to be good for the league. Dan, I, I, just, just looking at this, and I'm not trying to put a positive spin on it, but I just think it ticks so many boxes because it's right by um, the Lewis stop there. It's closer actually to the Lewis stop than the ground. It would reinvigorate an area that is probably one of the most stagnant slash deprived areas in Dublin, namely in Shikor, which is a great history and is quite close to town as well in the sense of you're not developing a place that's like in the middle of nowhere, let's we'll say like Adamstown. Pats will be effectively moving like literally a few yards away. It's very, very close to the ground. And as well as that, it will reinvigorate, um, I suppose, the club itself. Um, I don't see negative. What, yeah. But put, put a negative spin well, on it for I'm me, not, I'm not putting a negative spin on it because I think it's, it's funny, you know, around the League of Ireland that when a League of Ireland club comes out with a proposal, it's generally like supporters of other clubs who are the most sort of vehement mm. uh, and negative about it. And that's just part of, uh, of Irish life. Um I mean, we were having discussions there about, you know, well, when might you move in and stuff. And from what I can hear, I think we've got a hell of a road to travel before we can start thinking about that. I mean, this process today to me is, it is a bit like the start of a political campaign because it's, it's coming down to, a, you know, a, a council decision and uh, you're trying to sell those points. And I think, I certainly think, you know, if you look way up to pros and cons, the fact that they're not looking for... Um, sort of council funding is is a positive in that regard. It must be a massive positive. Um, and there's no mention of the FAI either, say, you know, and, and it being part of a, a very different type of discussion to what we have with Daily Mount. I mean, certainly for the future of Pats, I think this was the only way to go because they they risk being caught in no man's land when you potentially have, well, not potentially, we already have uh, Rovers in a sort of council-owned facility out in, in Tala. We're going to have, it seems, bows and possibly shells, depending on what I mean, that is the plan, um, in a sort of a north-side version of that. And, and Pats is sort of somewhere in between. Now, I know the club's roots, I know a lot of fans are drawn from West Dublin, so you can't just say it's north-side and south-side and that's it. Um, there is a role for them to play, but naturally in their current guise, I think there's possibly a shelf life for where they're at. Um, so I don't want to be poo-pooing or negative about it at all. I just think, I just think that um, there's a lot to happen here and there's a lot to go right before we can think about it. And, um, you know, in all the time I've covered the league, I guess I've seen many stadium proposals and artists' impressions and stuff like that. And, you know, you, you can go through the list of them from Drada to Fingal to the Finn Harps one that's ongoing um, to Shells moving out to all these ideas. And um, they're great. They get a, People love nothing more than a good artist's impression. You know, oh, 12,000, this is great. Um, but in a strange way, and I know like you know, Oriel is an absolute disgrace, but when the new owners had the public meeting, I think people were a bit, a bit disappointed that they hadn't come with that. You know, they hadn't come with like the, some Lego model or something of what it's going to be. Um, but in a strange way, I found that... Um, and a, a sort of a, a weird reassurance about it, that they were. They weren't cook. giving you a pipe they, they dream. Were, they weren't selling a pipe dream. I'm not saying this is a pipe dream. I, this is something that they've talked. It's been talked about for a while. I know that when Pats even were, you know, they were doing stuff at schoolboy clubs. I mean, this was on the table. This has been there in the background. Um, it's just 
you know, people might wake up today and hear 12,000 stadium for... When can I move uh, in? When's it going to happen? When's the first game going to be? How soon will you be in Richmond? I think there's a long way to go I, for that. But I think, I think the community aspect is huge. It's, I mean, naturally, there's a business part of this. They're putting a consortium together. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think it's going to be a, a charity consortium, you know? Like, there's going to be, you know, business people involved. They want to make money. They want to make money. And, Fair enough. And I don't think we should be afraid of, of people trying to make money. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's like... There's, there's, the people might argue otherwise, but you eventually have to attract these people into the league in some shape or form. Uh, I just think there's a long way to go, so I wouldn't just be uh, hurling this. Without, without, without they, no they need to spin it a bit. I yeah. mean, they, they're going to be. That's why I asked about competing projects. I don't know what they're up against. You know, it's it's coming down to the council's decision on who they hand, and ultimately it is handing over a substantial uh, chunk of land mm. to uh, you know a developer and a football club, which is a, a big decision I, I, to I, make. I still, I still think now I, I've never really gotten involved in like politics and D8, but this is something I actually would go to a councillor and say like, you know, I'd, please make this happen like, because I just think it would be so positive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, like you said, the, the area has been like, it's like a dep- not the fully deprived, like, but it doesn't have this facility within however many miles, you know, so mm. th- people have to travel to go and to go to the shopping centres and, and, and stuff like that. And I think if they could bring that community community element back I mean I remember when I was just first starting out with Pat's community was everything I mean you had Philip Nolan down the club and he was and Declan White was club promotion officer and I mean as players we were we were out in schools every twice a week sometimes you know like and it was great because we, we had there was loads of kids coming to games and you know they were coming up to you in the warm-ups oh you, you were down you were down to school the weekend and and stuff like that and I think if, if this whole thing can just be just be brought together, it'd be huge for the club. See, I, 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 yeah, this is the thing, because I remember going to Pats in the late 90s, and it was, and in, I mean, I was a teenager at the time, like, but it was full of kids. That was the one thing that was, mm. was striking about the ground and the shed. Like, where have those people gone? I know, I mean, a certain amount of them have grown up, and, you know, life has taken them in, in different directions, but why haven't they been, <laughs> been replaced as such? You know, it just seems like the ground doesn't have that feeling of vibrancy around it you know that, that that it did in those days for whatever reason it's tough I think I think because you've got your your English Premier Leagues and, and, and stuff which is a lot more accessible now than it was back then I mean and like you said like the, the, the whole financial thing it does become expensive for mm. parents to bring kids down and and stuff like that. So what a, that's, I think that's a whole chat for a different day. You know? I, yeah. I think within Chicor as well, like from my perspective of living there, it had an, a, a major influx of people who, like non-nationals, people not from Dublin, mm. like myself back in the day, because it was relatively affordable when Dublin was getting incredibly expensive. And probably the community changed and Pat's never quite tapped into that new kind of evolving community. Well, I remember trying things. I mean, Brian Kerr was there. We, we played a friendly against uh, Wisla Krakow. Um and the ground there was five thousand Polish people there. Wow, mm. you know, like, and we've had, we had. There was an African, 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 African bands in ten, and, and ten years like ago that. or so. Yeah. It was, yeah. You know, so there has been stuff tried, and I mean, I don't know what it, why it wasn't stuck with or whatever, but. Um, yeah, I, I think it hasn't been as consistent as effective as what Bows are doing at the moment. It must be said they have built their attendances through doing stuff, um, but I, I mean. I, I, I'm not being totally negative here. I think actually the model of like the stadium being part, a stadium complex 
being part of a um, something that brings something to the community is something that you see all the time when you go to other countries. Like you go to, um, you know, you go to Norway and Sweden, and often you will see like the, even the Parkin Stadium. And now it's different, it's sort of hard to compare, really. But the Parkin Stadium in Copenhagen, where Ireland played the playoff in November, where you have like a stadium, but it's actually part of a offices, you know, a shopping complex and so on. Even you go to you go to clubs in England and even smaller clubs like you know Scunthorpe and these places you'd go to where you know the the stadium is part of the community so people go or get used to going to the stadium for other stuff like they'll have their parties and functions and and other stuff there just being available for 90 minutes a week or probably you know numbered they should be two quick questions for you though is 12,000 too big too little or yes or no like is it a good idea well firstly like I mean I know that their attendances aren't 12,000 nowhere near it but I mean, I, I, to me, like just numbers about the capacity, a lot of that. Are, to me, sometimes like a twelve thousand seater stadium in twenty twenty two might be a five thousand in twenty twenty five. Like that's secondly, that's the league. I don't really care too much about uh, what their attendance is. Secondly, is, is a grass or four G? Do you know? Oh, I mean, see, you're, I think we're way down. Like you're mm. you're going ten steps down the road, Johnny. Like you're asking questions. If it were you, what would be the right idea? <sighs> I mean. I'm, 4G pitch, you can I'm, use it all. I'm, I'm not that arsed in the, in the context of this debate. You're not, you're not as against like the I think 4G you, as Brian you, Kerr seemed to be you, last you, Friday. You were sort of like on about, you know, uh, what we do about this house. Well, you know, what carpet are you going to put in the mm. upstairs bedroom? Like, this is irrelevant. Like, they have loads of distance to this go. This is not irrelevant. It's then. like, what, what, what pictures talk, will you hang up in, the, hang on, in, your, hang, in your room? What, like, what, this one, is, one of you, Jesus. You've gone miles ha- down hang the Hang on a sec now. Brian Kerr on the live game Friday really given out about pitches. I actually think Dundalk's pitch is pretty decent. But we've loads of games called off lately. Are we getting to the era where we're going to have a lot of four G pitches? It's a great tangent. Um, it's it's it, <laughs> it hasn't been mentioned. It, it hasn't. No, I mean it's you, we have to put in the twelve thousand seats uh, and get council approval uh, for twelve thousand. Yeah, <laughs> there's a long way to go. Before but but as it. as a tangent though, with all the the race meetings and soccer called off lately, I'm coming more and more around to artificial surfaces. I have to say, and they, it was. We had a game last Friday, which was uh, a good game playing on a 4G pitch. Uh, well, I think I think the move towards artificial surfaces, there's an element of um, yeah, there's an element of uh, compensating for the imperfections of the league. I you don't have maybe the the funds for like the proper ground staff to maintain a good grass pitch, so yeah. you have to sort of cut your cloth accordingly. So there's an element of pragmatism about it, but I don't think it's the ideal world scenario. But we, um, we, finish we, sh- we with should we should move on. We should move on though. But actually, on a Richmond Park team, um, I was there on Monday night for. I mean, one of the great games of the modern Richmond Park era that probably won't feature because there was very few people there and it was an EA Sports Cup match. Did you file on time for um, your deadline? I actually did, but I didn't have that much of a word count because it was EA Sports Cup. Um, it was a four-all draw, 8-7 uh, on penalties, um, where Dundalk prevailed. Uh, we might talk a bit about the match, but it was a sort of a second-string effort. But I did catch up with Chris Shields after the game um, to speak initially a bit about the game on Monday night, uh, but more so about Dundalk's start to the season, their win against Rovers, and 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 where things are for Dundalk at this moment in time. As a, as a spectator, you must have enjoyed that game tonight. It was a, a lively affair. Yeah, it wasn't boring anyway, to say the least, but thankfully our lads came out on the, the end of the right result. I suppose it shows the depth you have in the squad. It's sort of... Uh, Sort of amazing, really. I think Stephen O'Donnell spoke recently about it's possibly the best squad he'd worked for in his time at Dundalk in terms of depth. You can possibly see that with the list of players you can put out. Yeah, you see that now. I think that was nearly 11 change. Oh, sorry, 10 bar. bar I feel it. Ga- yeah. Gabby, yeah. yeah. So it shows, and then to go down and come back twice as well in extra time shows the hunger that the lads have. And 
I've been saying it myself now this is probably the best uh, squad we've had and it's probably the biggest numbers in, in squad we have I think Stephen likes to work small but maybe seen in recent seasons I mean it's it's good to have a bit of quantity and qu- along with the quality so it's good to stay in this competition as well we've won it twice with Stephen and you know we want to win as much as you can in your career and this is another trophy Was it something that hurt you last year maybe just the lack of squad depth you got more injuries than usual and it just seemed to catch up with you a small bit Yeah maybe it did because a lot of lads were playing through injury as well and then you, you wouldn't get the best of the lads on the day so to have the, the quality sorry the quantity with the quality as well is, is, is can only benefit the team especially with how hectic it is in April and May now I think we'll see, really see the benefit the beneficial side of having a big squad So come here how many replays have you watched of your stunning goal on, on Friday? I'm just waiting for the award from FIFA for the Puskas award I sit, at the, in there I, with I, shares, I, yeah. I sit at the letterbox every day waiting for it to come through the post <laughs> I, I more watch uh, more watch my reaction, <laughs> reaction more than anything <laughs> Shock I think would be the word I think the whole ground was shocked Yeah, um, yeah and I was good to get a goal because it's been coming I don't know <laughs> A long time it's six, over it's a thousand five, days Yeah really. it's five years in the league Yeah so it was good to get it and it seemed to be a bit of a, an important goal in the end so it was good together Was it something that actually bugged you? The, the lack of a goal was it something that the manager was on to you about or you have a different job in the team so it didn't come up that much or such? No he never badgered me about goals at all because even when Stevie, when Stevie played he seemed to chip in one or two a year it just never seemed to happen for me so it was never something that was put on me I'm more probably the other end I was taking more pride in the clean sheet part of that mm. little run there so to finally get a goal is, is nice. In general terms, taking our teams are taking along nicely. That was a that was a huge win on Friday. I know obviously you had the win tonight, but in terms of the, the league race, um, you've got off to the start. You maybe didn't get off to last year, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, especially when we look at the first few games, 2 nil all draws, people are maybe saying they don't have what it takes this year again. So actually it's it's turned out a decent start, a decent start for us, given the first round of games. I know we still have a game, game in hand to play against Derry. But it's a good start and we're sitting top and it's been a long time since we've been top of the league so that's important for us. But um, the clean sheets was a big factor as well. You know, I think this year is going to be the, the tightest year because Waterford have really established themselves in the tight race of field, caught ourselves in Cork and then Rovers will be about. And I don't think Pats and Derry are that far off either because Pats look to have seemed to... I don't, they'll be nowhere near the trouble they were in the past two or three years maybe. I think they'll maybe push up the table too. Just finally, you're off to Bray on Friday. I mean, they're on a dreadful run the cut of a new manager that can make a team dangerous sometimes can't they and unfortunately you're the, you're the one team they've taken a point off yeah see if they get a new manager you know you, you've seen how many times a new manager comes in spores things on and then on the, we got them opening day where they try and prove a point because people were so negative about them in pre-season mm. so it could be, potentially be the two worst days to get them if you get me mm. but we'll be going the Carlisle grounds you know, we're, we're hit, banging the form at the minute and we're, we've really started to gel as a, a team on a squad so we'll be going there hoping to win and before all of that, we had the, the weekend's games. Um, Dundalk beat Rovers 2-1. Uh, Watford beat Cork 2-1. And a lot of other stuff happened. Bowes, nil. Limerick, nil. Led by the man to my left here. Very assured performance. That's Brandon Clark, by the way, not me. Yeah. People actually can't see us. Um, St. Patrick's beat F- Bray Wanderers 5-0. And perhaps not unexpectedly, um, Bray's coach, Mackie, uh, resigned on Saturday. And then on uh, on the same day, actually, Sligo lost two 0 at home to Derry in the Northwest Derby, which in itself was a game that actually merits plenty of rumination. Um, 
I, Dan, this was a weekend where an awful lot happened, actually. Um, and I, I don't really know where to start, but I think we should start with Oriel Park. Now, I know you weren't at the game, and obviously you would have watched it since, but this was a big, big win for Dundalk, and it promoted, prompted rather a lot of chat about goalkeeping issues at Rovers. Yeah, I, it's unfortunate. I mean, I, I, I feel a bit sorry for Kevin Hall. Actually, hang on, hang on. The big thing here was actually Dundalk conceded. So Clarkey's record, which none of us knew anything about. <laughs> what is this record? <laughs> Oh, no, just we were in Sligo 2011. We went um, nine games, nine league games, sorry, without conceding. Um, so, yeah, that's that still stands. No, nobody knew that, Dan. Uh, Doesn't like to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, it was a weird one because we kind of played cup games in between the oh, nine okay. games. So, we'd conceded in them, and, you know, it kind of gives you a kick in the arse then to get back to keeping clean sheets. And it was actually only in the 10th game against Dundalk we conceded in the 94th minute. So John Russell gave away a penalty, which I still kind of bring, bring, bring up. Yeah, so don't forgive him about it. So yeah, no, look, it's 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 one of those things. It's nice to have. Yeah, it is strange because like you know, the dog conceding four on Monday might just be conveniently forgotten when yeah. you know I can imagine Stephen Kenny going, "We've conceded one in fifteen or one in fourteen. The four in the EA Sports <laughs> Cup match is gone." Like, what did you, know? you make of Friday night? Um, yeah, I mean, it's we spoke about it last week, and I sort of felt it was a bigger game for Rovers because they just can't. Sh- take on another defeat like that's still four defeats from 10 when yes it seems like they've well not seems they did play well I thought in the, in the game and it seems after a couple of defeats this season you know the fans are still with them you know they can understand they've you know 10 men in Waterford um, and Cork it was a and Horgan gave away a penalty in that game okay the Bows they, I mean there was no sympathy I think from anyone they were they were poor but um, I mean the, the keeping thing is is a problem. I know that Bradley, Stephen Bradley came out afterwards and blamed, not blamed, but said it was Greg Bulger's fault, really, for that second goal, that Shields goal we mentioned with Chris, that he let it go all the way through. And I mean, we'll, we'll speak to Clarkie in a second about sort of general, you know, goalkeeping foibles and the, 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 the pitfalls of that gig, I guess, when you're in the spotlight. For me, I feel sorry for Horgan because he's the young keeper. Um, he hasn't actually got a huge amount of experience in the league and to me the decision that I find difficult is that they kept on Chachinsky as their senior goalkeeper didn't even pick him in the first game of the season now there's some suggestion he might have played a certain amount of appearances last year did that entitle him to another year or what what was their thinking in terms of you know keeping an experienced goalkeeper on for a second season when it, it appears that their faith in him is gone is is gone or, or certainly in, in doubt um, and it's put the young fella in the spotlight and he's had some high profile mistakes and costly times which you could see him on the at the end of the game on Friday when they went up to the fans and I think he only probably had one thought in his mind uh, at that loads point. of sympathy for him and a few, just a few things about this obviously Horgan came from Galway United where he was fairly untested now so Rovers were probably taking a little bit of a punt on him he's a young keeper fair enough he wasn't their first choice keeper people will forget on Friday night that the save he made from Huben um, was outrageously good in the first half which it was from Robbie Benson's pass one of the best passes I've seen in the league in many years actually top Benson <laughs> Unbelievable way to pass yeah. by Benson, but what a game he had! Horgan made you, you couldn't even see like that he actually got a hand to it, but he did. It was a brilliant, brilliant save, and then things just unraveled for him, Brendan. That's the joys of goalkeeping, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can put in a man of the match display, and then you know you, you drop one in, and everyone remembers the uh, the mistake. But you know, you kind of on Kevin, it, it's tough, like because you go to a massive club like Shamrock Rovers, and you know you're expected to to just perform you know but you have to remember that he's he is learning kind of the game and 
at his age, it, it's great to have so many appearances for a big club under his belt. I mean, you look when De Gea came to to United, he was he was battered for the first so couple long. of years, you know. Like mm. so, to have a manager that that'll stick by it is it'll only do him the world of good. I'm sure he's working with his goalkeeping coach and and stuff like that and how to improve. So yeah, he'll he'll only get stronger and and learn how to bounce back. Do you, do you Leah, I was going to say, do you learn how to deal with mistakes? I mean, when you were younger, if you had a mistake in a game, did it kill you for? couple of days does that change oh, yeah. does it change as you get older or it does, does it still does it still kill no it does i mean i i used to you know I, i'd make you could make a mistake on a friday and you wouldn't you wouldn't really get over it then till the middle of next week when you're kind of tuning into the next game you know but not only as that Brendan as well he's young and this is on live TV you know mm. it's Rovers every mistake he made is magnified you know Alan Cawley was very critical of the situation on Soccer Republic and he's a young guy who's moved up to Dublin a year and whatever and he has to deal with this like of course he does that's, that's part and parcel of the job you know but you, you just get on with it and, and try and rectify it then for the, for the next game and like I said I'm sure they'll have all the, the video analysis stuff and he'll, he'll probably sit down with the manager and the goalkeeping coach and 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 try and try and you know sort out a plan. Let's say to 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 not have that issue happen again. Do you have sympathy for him with the second goal? Because there is a little bit of a debate as to when if 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 somebody called leave it or or somebody Bulger called something. I don't know what happened, but you could obviously tell he was in two minds. The keeper. No, well, I mean, if if you know, from my end of things, from a goalkeeping point of view, if he's if he's seen the flight of the ball come across the box and and he's called you know clear it or away or whatever, and and a, and the players let it go. I mean you've only got less than a split second to react to it to react to that ball going past the player you've told to clear it so you know I can understand why, why that's gone in and obviously Stevens come out and said that 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 was the case so um, and like it should be mentioned as well like Sava had a howler of a first half as well he was rusty coming into the game improved as the game went on but um, it was a game in which I thought like in, there wasn't an awful lot between the two teams Rovers played very well Dan and if you look at the Watford game they went down to 10 men when they were on top this game, it was two two bad goals they gave away, but other than that, they were very they were very much competitive. Not like there's reasons for the defeats that you can give, but the, the flip side of that is they're still suffering the defeats. St- mm. They've still suffered for, and I didn't think Dundalk were amazing or, or that good. I think they've played better this season, but they still won, you know. And it's it's it's, it's just a it's an ability that the the teams that win the league can, you know, that they can sort of eke it out when they maybe aren't at their best. And I mean, I think strange, like Dundalkin had this excellent defensive record uh, and yet defensively they weren't great at times in the game. They, they gave Rovers opportunities and okay, the goal, they were just a bit slow to react to a corner being taken. There was a bit of fortune about the near post car. I'm not sure if that was necessarily planned as such, but um, I mean, I think the fact that Benson is back at his best is significant because um, I think he's actually a pretty important player for Dundalk. I think when he's good, they're good. And if there's times where he's a bit off, I think it does affect them. It's such a good there, game, there's, isn't there's, it? There's, there's, there's been times when he's been out through injury, they've missed him. And just as, he has a certain amount of energy and the ability to break forward and get goals from midfield. And one, one when he's I, not there, I, they, they, they do miss him. Is he nearly their most important player? Um, I, I think he's up there. I think you know. I think when O'Donnell is fully conducting the game, he's pretty important too. And I, and actually, the one thing I should say is as well. I mean, I think the importance of Huben is is huge to them. Um, and Another he, good he, game. he came back from the UK and he maybe hadn't set the world alight here. And you think, well, where is he at? But um, I mean, Tag Bajumi, the alternative, played on on Monday night in the A Sports Cup, and he's a good bit off. Now he hadn't played a full game in a while, so I wouldn't mm. judge him on it. But there's there's 
and, and it's strange because like he played in the he was part of, you know he was in the Norwegian Cup final last year he came off the bench he's played at a good level yet um, Uben looks to be a far superior player it's, it's strange yeah. he, he knows the league that obviously I, I thought uh, I thought Dundalk were a little bit physical and a little bit more on Graham Burke at times I thought they they kind of almost charged him a bit to, to obviously that's going to happen Burke, nullify him but I thought they went I thought they they were very much straddling the border of fairness in some of the tackles they did very very high challenge from Cleary on him as well which which was outright dangerous really actually um, and I thought I thought Burke would have come off the pitch thinking Jesus if I'm going to be in for this all season I'm going to get a few war wounds but um Speaking of war wounds, what happened to the RSE? Yeah, well, I, uh, first of all, I you were at that game. Uh, you were at the game, of course. Of course. You were at that game. <laughs> um, I, uh, I mean, I loved the experience. I loved, I loved going to like the Monster Derby. I'm happy I went to that game um, because it's a club reborn. And, and you got back at one in the morning and you put on Dundalk and Rovers. I did. That's living the dream, pal. Living the dream. <laughs> and you're married. Yeah, Believe I mean, it's just... Uh, <laughs> Tarky, you're a man that comes back and uh, puts on games late at night as well, I believe. Yeah, uh, listen, after games you're full of adrenaline, so it's, it's kind of hard to sleep, you know, so if, if there's a live game on, then you kind of tend to, to record it and, and have a look at it. Were you full of adrenaline? Uh, I was I was wide awake like it's the adrenaline of uh, of filing on a brawl in the last minute of a game <laughs> and then missing a first deadline because you didn't have a clue really what was going on. I mean, it is a shame that I mean, I'm not to be po-faced about it. It's like Helen, what's the you know, Reverend Lovejoy's wife and the somebody Simpsons? Somebody please take the children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know that we're we're focusing on that and not the football, you know. Because yeah. the game was great and there was a real story in the game that 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 Waterford overpowered Cork in the second half. Physically. Well, just in every way in terms of even just I mean they didn't actually really change their approach too much because they play with that sort of narrow midfield and you kind of wonder will they change things up and no they just they kept pretty much with it and got much more from McInerney and Doofus and um, they but Abora and Harry the two guys who were, are now going to be suspended were top class played and, well and they just kept the ball Keegan Paul Keegan there Gavin Holohan there they're, they're really good to watch when they're in full I, flow I, and Cork I, like McCormick was taken off Morrissey was taken off you know big players for Cork struggled but you got you got to say as well Watford have brought in these players with no particular uh, identity with Watford or ever like and they really seem to be up for it. Like they, they put in a performance. They, they, they took on the challenge of Cork aren't on. A, Cork might be on a pedestal here, but we're and they took that challenge right up, up until the brawl. Yeah, do you know what I mean? They, yeah. They're obviously uh, like Rennie has them playing for the club and for the for him yeah. and for the team. And, and the fact they're full time and they're, mm. they're, I think that makes a difference. They're together every day properly. You know, it seems to be a proper full time thing really. And. They've built up something, even when I saw them in the dock, that they were organised, even if they were missing a few players that day, that they're going to face a different challenge now. We'll maybe touch on the preview of Copeland without these two boys. I mean, that's, that's huge. Can they win but the league? No. No. no Can no. they win the league, Bryn? It's going to be difficult, isn't it? Um, the way Dundalk are going. Um, obviously, Cork will come good as well. Um, but like, like you said, they're, they're, they've got some, a lot of good players. They're really organised. They're you know, extremely fit and... They just keep going. I mean, we played them there a couple of weeks ago. and 2-0, was it? 2-0, yeah. Late penalty. Um, kind of killed the game off for us. But um, they just kept going and going and going. There was, it was, there was never a stage where they just kind of sat off and went, OK, 1-0, we're going to see out this game. And, and uh, yeah, they all, had, they all knew their roles and responsibilities. And uh, What do you make of Airy, obviously, from your time with him? Bit of a character? Ah, he's, he's a, Basti's brilliant. Um, he is a character. That's one way of, one way of describing Basti. He's a... 
he, he do a couple of things that leave you scratching your head, but that's that's not for uh, for this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, listen, he's obviously a, a, a no, no, it is for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it go over? Yeah. Um, obviously, he's a, he's a fantastic player, and you know he really lit lit, lit, lit us up last year, kind of when when he got himself properly fit and, and, and got us taken, got us playing and yeah, he's, he's a top player. Just you, quickly, just quickly, what's the best post-match brawl or row or ruckus either on the pitch or down the tunnels that you've, you've been involved in? I haven't, haven't been mind. involved in too many to be honest. Um, that, that, that one looked a decent one to be fair. Yeah. Um, obviously, kind of John's come on the pitch kind of tr- trying to get the ball because they're, they're losing 2-1 and stuff and and Basti's kind of pushed them over and it's, it's all kicked off there but that, there's not too many. You know, it's, it was nothing compared it, it, to Mayo and me than uh, 97. But what struck me is that Randalls and Caulfield, I think, got on quite well. Obviously, Randalls was there before. They were having a civil chat. We want to get the, the two of them on the pod together at some point. But even afterwards, you know, I get 20 minutes later, maybe half an hour later, and they always say adrenaline. Talk about adrenaline. Like post match interviews can be lethal if someone's pumped up. Actually, the two managers were quite I think restrained. Caulfield was, was really, really I, good in I this. I think they realised, I think Caulfield realised he'd overstepped the mark. Mm. I think Randalls was probably annoyed more so with his players. The Harry thing, he, he had a go with Caulfield. I think I think it was the Abora one would probably now we're speaking at Wednesday lunchtime there might be you know more details coming out on the punishments Abora did approach Buckley going down the tunnel for round two and then was sort of chasing around a bit after the officials he could struggle you know the hairy thing was cut and dried the Abora thing was needless for what I could see I mean obviously maybe something was said or that really wound them but up it's here a, at the moment but it, uh, they're going to they're find a hard without them but I don't think it took too much away from the game that's what I was going to say if, I mean, if, people if left it, happy I still think absolutely know. but it's a crew it's not like oh we can't bring children to watch League of Ireland again but ah, like yeah. the only box. problem is if Waterford's I like it. If Waterford's uh, go on a bit of a slump because of the lads missing, they look at that game, you know, in, in, in hindsight with a lot of mixed feelings because, like, that didn't need to happen. But Airy has a replacement uh, in perhaps in Connor Clifford who signed for Limerick. Yeah, Connor's come in yesterday. Um, obviously, you've done, your, done a piece with Connor and he's, he's looking to get back in and he's a uh, he's fantastic signing for us, to be honest. He's come in, he'll add to the squad, he'll add to the group and... Uh, you know, he's got a lot of experience of playing kind of high-profile games. He played a lot for Dundalk last year, I think maybe 17, 18 games mm. he played. So um, once he comes in, he'll get himself up to speed as, as quick as possible and he'll uh, hopefully have a good impact for us. I, w- I was at the game uh, Friday night and um, obviously it was nil all. You have to say you set up to get a draw and maybe nick a goal, um, but you didn't offer much going forward. Uh, I wouldn't say we, we, we set up for a draw. I mean... Well, you know we have limited a limited squad. Let's say um, from the outside looking in, you wouldn't say there's there's too many senior League of Ireland players in the squad. You know, outside of a perceived starting eleven, you know, um, and we have been struggling with it. We had a lot of injuries to that kind of starting eleven, but you know, players are starting to come back. We brought Markey back in, and you know. For a, you know he's he's what thirty five and you know he broke his hand and for someone who's who's been out of training for so long I thought he he had a great game he was really he was uh, he played Mark, really Marcus well Sullivan, yeah he just were, so, you, uh, were, you, were you critical of him Johnny no I, I just I uh, but by the way I should have brought this game in last we'll mention the other two scores as well Pat Five Brain we know I think what Johnny happened was after that game yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought I read something about yeah, I, I, that I'll, I'll explain that Sligo Rovers <laughs> nil Derry two I tell you what Dan because I've kind of screwed up here we'll we'll talk about those games a bit more when we're yeah, going to the preview definitely. but um, Marcus Sullivan in fairness this is a young man's league thirty five years of age and um, obviously he's he's finding it a little bit tougher because. 
because he's 35 and playing uh, up front practically I'd, on his I'd own. I'd say he found it tougher because he hasn't he hasn't trained properly mm. in in five weeks. Um, in, in terms of fitness, there's not there's not a there's not an issue with Mark and how he how he looks after himself off the pitch. And I mean. 35 is nothing nowadays, you know. Gee, I don't um, know about that. Ah, stop. It's, uh, it, it may be not a bother on him. Like. No, no. Um, How many players in the league off the top of your head are 35 or more? I'd well, say... Well, uh, talk outfield players. I think that, can play, that actually play. Like, I can think well, of I mean, you, virtually you, none. You talk to anyone who plays with Dave Mulcahy, mm. they'll tell you now he's, he, he's, he's one, one of one the in, fittest players. One in 10,000, though. Name me three players who start over th- 35 or over in the League of Ireland outfield. Like, Marco Sullivan. Obviously, can you name one other player? I probably at the should. Moment? I probably should be able to. They, they don't exist, to the best of my knowledge. What do we got? Kenny, he's oh, not. Kenny. He's not he that old. He won't, he won't won't like, okay. <laughs> I hope Ken, you don't bump into he just, him. He just looks over to so it. It doesn't exist, and that's why Ronaldo. In the history of yeah. that's why Ronaldo's success is, is so remarkable at a different level. That he's at that level at thirty-three, I think. But these Perlow players, they they don't exist anymore. It's too tough. Yeah, I'm trying to. I think of guys that. You know, early thirties, thirty-three. I remember going trying to go through this couple of years back. People were really screaming names at us now. Young man's league. I remember yeah. McPhail was playing and so on. But no, it is a young man's league mm. in the sense that the average age of the Premier Division now is twenty-three or twenty-four. I think, which is I think it was twenty-four point four in that UEFA thing or something like that. Can, can, which can, is sort can, of amazing. Can one of the three of us by the end of the show think of three players thirty-five or old? I don't think well, who Premier play Division, out in the Premier Division, Division who play outfield. And I actually would say in the first division they're bugger all as well. But if we can think of that, grand, and we we'll. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think you will I don't think you'll get mm. 35 but I think your point that because of his age he's finding it tough is is wrong and um, ill-informed Ill you know Raph, so Raph Gattaro Raph Gattaro would be one wouldn't he not, not necessarily starting but he's definitely and he's definitely 35 or up yeah Raph yeah. Gattaro would be one to spring um, but fair enough Clarky but in fairness you're eking out results so you're getting you're, you know he didn't didn't actually give away many chances against Bowes no, we didn't. Um, obviously, when you know the table doesn't lie, we've scored we scored four goals in in ten games. Um, that's that's not good enough. Um, if you want to be successful in this league, um, Connor might help that. He could do, yeah. Um, he, he has he has that flair and, and ability to be creative for us. Um, obviously, you're bringing Danny Cairns back in as well. Um, you know, we we kind of struggled a little bit because we had. Danny Morris, he was out injured. Marco Sullivan was out injured. So that left a lot of pressure on Conor Ellis, who was playing playing up front on his own. You're missing you know, Weirin as well. You're, own, you're own as well, was out with his groin. And, you know, they, they were the big ones who were definitely ga- definitely missing games. And, and you know, to be fair, the, the rest of the squad, you know, there's people carrying knocks who are playing with injuries just, you know, just to get through games. And, you know, to be fair, we're not, we're not doing too bad. What you make of Bowes? Um, listen, you're always going to get a tough game against a team, you know, managed by Keith Long and and Trevor Crawley. They're going to be organised. They're going to have a game plan. Um, you know, that's two draws against Bowes. So, listen, it's tough. We we conceded the ninety third minute equaliser to them down and down in their place. So that we 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 look at that as two points dropped. Any sign of the pitch improving at Markets Field? Because I know. Uh, you, you sent a not so subtle tweet sort of earlier on after one of your opening games. That there's a lot of rugby being played there. There's other stuff going on there. I know what this is the problem. We talk about stadiums when you it's not just your ground for your club to maintain. Mm. Um, is there any sign of improvement there? Slowly but surely, it, it is getting there due to the, the weather, kind of the temperature, kind of going up. Mm. The pitch is starting to firm up a bit. So. Hopefully it continues going that way. I mean, is it a potential obstacle? I'm thinking of someone like Connor. I'm thinking of someone like Barry Maguire. He mm. signed as well. Uh, you will have some 
sort of technical players who like to play the ball on the ground and it's probably not going to suit them if you're playing on a, on a, on a rugby style no, surface. No, absolutely. I mean, we, we can have all the intentions of going out and playing, playing the best football in the league, you know, but if you're trying to play out from the back and, you know, when giving the ball to a centre-half and he's having to watch the ball right onto his foot and then, you know, anything can happen then, you know, so if he's only going to give it straight back to me, there's no point in... Mm. I think I mean? that's impacts your crowds with it as well because, you know, the, the lads who've gone to watch you play the season in Marketsfield probably haven't seen great fare. Because mainly because of the pitch, a lot of it. Well, that's it. You have to play the conditions, you know. And if if, it, if it's not on to play out, you can't play out, and so so we end up going a little bit longer. So um, I th- I think crowds wise, yeah. I mean, fans f- fans all over the league want to be entertained, don't they? So um, it's 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 just not that case. I, at I the actually moment. think, Dan, that's the thing that's come in in recent years that League of Ireland fans now have become accustomed to actually watching decent football because you, you go along to a game and you're actually expecting a good game and I could say this for literally any club almost in the league and if you go to a, a bad pitch now and you're like ah, this is a lot of a lot of hoof ball you're probably less inclined to come back and and they are becoming a little bit more uh, I suppose purists in, in watching good League of Ireland uh, well, games Well, uh, yeah, I don't know I mean uh, League of Ireland fans have often been described as sadists rather than purists, like, you know. But it, but it's but it's but have it, they? yeah, I would have thought so. But uh, you know, may, may, maybe that's changing. I would have thought so. This could, this could be like a presentation, you know, from sadism to purism. You know, a League of Ireland. You know, the, that's the, the second evolution. time because Dion Fanning wrote a piece about. Um, Manchester City in the first half last night and he said their passing was sadistic at times I thought it was a brilliance but I think League of Ireland fans be ah, sadistic no no anyway. but, it, but I, I, yeah I mean, it's, well, it's pretty straightforward if you go to a game and it's bad you're less likely to come back to the next one I and mean, we I have a lot of floating the, voters that, you know we often talk about the league is competing with everything else on a Friday night every other form of entertainment that's available so you'd like to be able to think the people who pay in ticket prices which can be quite steep at times particularly when you're paying Friday Monday Friday Monday that you're going to pick and choose your games if you keep seeing bad ones so um yeah but i think also that goes back to match experience as well and stuff like that you know that, that i mean I, I wouldn't say um you know in terms of bows like their home form hasn't been great in the last year or so people haven't always seen great games because the pitch there has been amazing you know but people are still enjoying i want to ask the game. you briefly about bows right so dinny didn't start dinny corkham didn't start they played burn in midfield they played stokes up front they played they made a lot of changes as if like long was kind of reacting to this kind of wobble and um, they, they, I actually thought their team was was completely different to what I expected. To well, be. yeah, yeah. We'll stick with Bowes because we probably should move on to the preview of the weekend's games. We probably will start Rovers Bowes, which is the big game because I think it's a it's a key match for Bowes because they've used this Rovers game to almost kickstart seasons in in recent years, and, and they need to again. They've done well, but I think before that, I think we have some Ronan Finn audio, I believe, who is obviously live on Air Sport on Friday. Rovers and Bows and um, one of the wonderful air staff got some thoughts from Ronan beforehand. The rivalry, no matter what the points tally is, will always be intense, will always be a difficult game, no matter what you know area the clubs are in. For us, um, we feel that we let ourselves down a daily amount um, at the start of the season and uh, it's a chance now to go and rectify that and put on a good performance. Listen, I don't think we performed that night. All credit to Bowes, you know, they, they played well and they, they got the three points, so we only have ourselves to blame. So we've got to make sure that we're at it from the first whistle um, and that we, you know, we just make sure that we do all we can to get a result. It's a really big game for the club and for us in terms of the league table and everything, so uh, we've got to make sure we um, put on a good performance. Our league form since we've played against Bohemians has picked up, obviously, but I think our performances have as well. I think we've um, we've been passing the ball well, we've been creating chances. 
listen, we've been conceding some poor goals from our point of view. And uh, But listen, Bowes are going to be well up for it. They're a good side. You know, they've showed that already this season when they beat us. So we've got to treat them with massive respect. We can't go in here thinking this is going to be an automatic victory because we've got a good run at home. That's not the case. We treat Bowes with massive respect. And, uh, you know, we make sure we do all we can and prepare as best we can to get the right results. Dan, this is, this is a really big game, actually, for both teams. I know it's Rovers, Bowes, you know... I kind of get a little bit tired about the whole all oh, Rovers Bows this massive derby game yada yada. Why do you but get tired by it? It's just whatever. Like they're two teams that kind of you know their their fans don't like each other. Grand, there there aren't huge crowds at the games. There are a few. I thousands. think the last it, couple of years it's, it's, actually, it's been very vibrant. It's, no, I think that they. I take you on in that. I think actually the derby's had a bit of a revival the last eighteen months. The, they have. The, 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 the particularly the games in daily daily mounts. Great uh, atmosphere. YouTube standing room only, sitting room only. People yeah. sitting on the steps one time. I'm sure that was all perfectly okay. Um, Listen, the, the point the, I was trying to make the, though is this is a huge game for both clubs and that Bowes are wobbling at the moment and Rovers are in danger of falling a little bit adrift at Dundalk. Well, yeah, they are. Yeah, I mean, I suppose they're probably happy um, other than Dundalk losing. In a strange way, there's two ways looking at Waterford beating Cork. Um, that Okay, Waterford are now coming along as being a contender, certainly to be around the top four in the first season, but it's keeping the field congested. So maybe Rovers' defeats haven't been as punishing. But at the same time, I don't know if you're going to win a league if you lose, I don't know, six, seven games. Like It's pretty hard to do. Um, so they have to win this game, Rovers. I think they have Who starts everything, everything to lose. <sighs> I don't know. I don't. I can't predict that. I'm going I with mean, Horgan. Yeah, I, I think if you come out publicly and back Defend the goalkeeper him. and then drop him, it sends a, a pretty confusing message, I would have thought. Um, and I mean, they do seem to have lost confidence in, in Chodzinski. So, you um, went one from five in your predictions yeah, last was a week, by the way. That was Absolute not good. You've, uh, you're actually in danger of falling adrift of me in terms of the steak dinner dance. We should mention Johnny McDonald, who got four from five, but not only that, was hailed on Twitter by one of our followers for once getting him to the airport in a rush when he needed to go to China. Was hailed deliberate, or was that just an accidental, oh, accidental beautiful. genius? Accidental Get, genius. Let, let's talk about this game very very uh, briefly, though. Rovers against Bows. I'm going for a home win because I think... Uh, Is that your lock of the week? Um, is it my lock of the week? actually I haven't thought about this no it's not my lock of the week we'll get to that at the end and uh, the end. let's just say it does pertain to the man again to my left <laughs> the the lad who even though nobody knew about it had a record of consecutive clean sheets <laughs> well, he uh, knew about it he knew about family, it um, but I, I, again though it's a great game to if you go to a game come home and record it and Rovers and Bows it's just great to have all these live games I'm, I'm going to go, go for a home win home win no no uh, yeah but Bows have an ability to, uh, you can't predict the same as me for every game or you're going to finish three behind me. That's the way it's going to be. No, I need to find a difference. Yeah, I'm looking at the other games here. We might be on the same page or something. I'm going to go for a draw then. Draw? I'm going to go for a draw. Uh, Bowes have, have had another media ban this week, by the way. They've gone for another, like... Uh, <sighs> Supple GA influence is just you incendiary. You can do it once, but can yeah, you do you it twice? Do, it's just know. becoming cliched now. Like, Bo- you know. Bowes refused to be drawn on Jeremy Connolly's absence from the yeah. Dublin squad. Uh, I thought Looney was brilliant in the second half last week, and I thought Bowes showed a lot of quality on the ball with Watts, Ward, Looney, um, Stokes, some really nice players there, but probably won't be enough be watching, to be, it, watching it closely. Um, Probably not enough to beat Rovers. <laughs> um, Bray against Dundalk. Bray, just, Bray just, go, just from a, a, a punting perspective here, I was waiting for Bray to get a new coach and I was going to back them in the next game thinking there would be like a kind of a swing in their fortunes. Probably not at home to Dundalk. Well, it, I mean, Martin Russell is, is primed to get the job and there was some chat that whoever goes in or if, if Russell went in, he, he might want 
to be there next year too that it's not just to come into the end of the season and save them job because I'm not sure if that's what Russell is necessarily about you know as a as a sort of go in and organize them and try and get out of it job I mean I did sort of see that their next two games were at home to Dundalk on Friday and Shamrock Rovers on Monday and I'm thinking if I was the manager for that job I nearly want to go in next Tuesday and not be starting off with almost a, a, a two defeats and a bad vibe totally. um, thing although I'm not sure who they're playing after that to be honest it's pretty relentless at the moment for everyone so I'm not sure where the the handy game is to, to how will off. Martin do there do you think Brendan if, if he gets, gets it, the job if he gets it well I mean when, when he went into Limerick they were 15, 16 points off when the year they got relegated he nearly kept them up yeah. so I mean he's got he has so close experience of that you mm. know so um, Martin will go in and he'll, he'll get them to play football you know if if he gets the job you know um, he'll get them to play football the right way yeah I, I, I think Dan we're not going to dwell on this too much but I think um Bray's players were whatever they thought of Dave Mackey's manager I think they were disgraced the last few weeks they were clearly not making anywhere near enough effort on the pitch um, they let the club down they mainly let the management team down I'm not sure how good he was as a coach there are suggestions that they you know maybe didn't buy into him or whatever but I thought their indifference on the pitch considering they were getting their wages paid and considering they were representing a proud club um, was an actual disgrace yeah, it's a proud enough club. I'm not, I'm not sure how proud it is. But well, it's still a proud club, yeah, regardless of what history. the team yeah. is. That the, but, I, you, know, you know, you, you, you are sort of watching them with no sponsor in the shirt. And, you know, I, I think probably yeah, it doesn't reflect well on them, certainly. They don't, they don't just get a pass. I think you can always hide behind something if the manager maybe isn't up to it or is perceived not to be up but to it. But in a shift on it, the Friday It's easy night, for the player. They're, they're, they escape. And we spoke about it a bit last week. They're a club that doesn't have a huge fan base, so it's mm. not as if they're getting the grief you know, from Should people. Should a professional pride, though. I, I, yeah. I didn't like it, but this is an away win. Uh, I, I think so, yeah. I, I, I find it hard to believe... That, you know, sometimes it's this thing. It's again, it's a, it's hard to define what it is that the, the team is dangerous after the manager goes. Like you still have to analyze this game in some way and and just twenty five to one Bray is on offer by the way. Really, twenty five oh, to one. Yeah, God. twenty twenty to one against Cork when I was at the game there recently. Cork, right. which brings us on to Cork at home. To now, this is another, and this is the one thing about the ten team league. We have hopefully Bray on the improve now. Uh, we have. Um, Limerick have been, been very steady and we have the teams at the bottom are still competitive. This is a fascinating game. Cork against Pats. Pats are playing well and Cork are wobbling a little bit of late. Haven't been playing so well. No, they were great on Friday. I mean, they were just okay and it is just... I mean, they're going to be without Buckley, obviously, um, and Beatty, although Beatty was an unused sub. I mean, maybe Buckley not playing makes it straightforward about where you play McNamee, which has been a bit of a... And Fagan an back among the goals for Patrick's as well. On Monday, yeah, he's kind of he actually scored a fantastic goal on Monday, but he still maybe doesn't look, you know, at the level where he was. And and Keegan is might might actually be ahead of him at the moment. Uh, Pat's actually, I mean, Jamie Lennon's done well. Uh, Markey was good the other night in the League Cup game that I saw, even though he missed a penalty. Um, get a get a prediction from you. I still think Cork will bounce back and win at home. This is going to be a, a this could decide the shake dinner. Um, this could be so big. I'm going to go for a draw, right? Draw. Just, uh, I think any thoughts on Cork and Pats from no, what you've seen? Nothing to do with me. See, you know? No, you see, he's a, he's a good pro here. What a pro! Like. He's a good pro. He, you don't stay in this league till you're in this sort of a, well, yeah, you're, 32. 32. 32. That's why he was all like he's defending years all left. of it. Um, and and these 35 year olds that don't exist in the league. Uh, I'm going to go with the draw. Um, 
We oh here we go. The boy own. So, dear dear listener, we're going to have the oldest outfielder per club, which the boy own um, in the background here has somehow come up with um, out of the blue. So we will have this right. Alan at the Bennett end of the show. must be one of them. Alan Bennett oh, must be one okay, of them. Okay, great. Just don't ruin it, like no, because we have to. We can't. He's been on the show before. Okay. We can't forget it. Just at a yeah, brain He's not playing regularly. No, either. and I think they've missed him as well. Mm. Actually, I think they've missed him. Clarky's having a look at the. Um, you're not on the list. Okay, let's you? fly on. Oh, you're not an outfielder. No, go. Derry versus Derry Waterford, Waterford. Another belter of a game. At, at, at the, the Randy Brandywell I just think um, 4G pitch here Dan yes uh, and some good compliments about this pitch actually yeah. have you played we up there we played the first game up there yeah, and didn't end too well for us to be honest so we'll move on but the pitch itself <laughs> is not, no, it's pitch, not a horror pitch, show is it no it, it's one of the newer ones it's, it's, you could probably get away with wearing a stud in it to be honest so right. uh, yeah no it's, it's you, if you can't play football on it you've you might as well try and a nice venue it. to visit just as a lovely as a nice new new dressing rooms it's nice and airy kind of a stark contrast to the old ones where mm. you the, the ceiling was just above your head <laughs> yeah. speaking of nice and airy will airy be playing here no he won't be won't be he and Abora won't be playing so here. this is That's an huge. impossible game to call because Derry even though the Sligo were rubbish by all accounts on Saturday and Derry were lucky to beat Pat so I don't know how good they are and I think Waterford are very good but they're going to be missing players yeah so. and I'm not sure about Doofus either because he didn't play in the artificial pitch in Dundalk because there was concerns about um, just an old knee injury you know. this Derry over one to you uh, this, Akinati this, yeah who was good and he gave them something I'm going with an half. away win Dan I just can't see it missing the, missing the lads and I think uh, I'm trying to figure out do I, do I think it's going to be a draw or a Derry home win I have so much respect for what Waterford are doing I have no doubt they'll have a plan concocted to deal with it but beat them at home I, I have I'm to go for a home win home win be quick let, let, let's wrap up so with the aforementioned Sligo, Sligo uh, now Sligo I would say their coach is in, in small danger of getting into the, is he under pressure here? Because they've really unraveled a little of, they were rubbish against Derry by the reports. And now they, they visit my lock of the week, which is Limerick. Limerick I is never thought I'd say week. this. Limerick is the lock of the week. Clarkie, a bit of pressure on the lock of the week. But Yeah, you know, I will take it, yeah. yeah. Listen, it's a home game. It's one we look to, uh, look to win, so yeah. Is Connor available? I don't know. He is yeah. available he straight away. That yeah. was the line. Um, yeah, I mean, relegation little. type scrap has been written by our uh, producer. Well, uh, relegation type scrap, I like <laughs> it. Well, I love the lingo because of the football that you never use in normal everyday life. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, was it Sligo? Sligo lost five out of six at home or five out of seven at home or something. It's a shocking record. I, um, I, I, I'm, and yeah, and you went and won there, of course. First game of the season. Yeah, we went up and uh, listen. It was a tight game. We 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 got a goal off a second phase uh, from a set piece. So. Listen, it's they'll be looking to come down and, and beat us down D- there. Despite so. your your bad night in Oriel, you're playing, you're having a good season so far. You'd be happy enough, would you yourself personally? Yeah, happy enough. Yeah. On he, a play, bit. he played well in Oriel. I saw. I mean, yeah. he could see that eight, but he actually <laughs> had a good game. I mean, I've seen you had bad games, but that night was a bit harsh. Like uh, that that prompted Clarkie's uh, memorable comment uh, in a DM. He goes like, I've "Just built an igloo there during the snow. I wish I could have built one at Oriel last night." <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was very good. Yeah, yeah but, um, nah, listen, it was. This is a big game for you. They're all big games for us. Mm. Um, you know, we, we put it another way, you could win this. Whereas if you're at home, away to Dundalk, maybe your damage limitation. This is a game you could definitely, definitely win. Listen, Tommy, Tommy Barrett came in. He, he was very positive about everything. He still is positive about everything. Um, we look at every game as as a, as a way to pick up three points. So it doesn't it really doesn't matter. We went to Dundalk that night with a plan to win the game. We went to Derry with a plan to win the game. It didn't work. Um, we move on to the next one so we'll we'll be putting a plan in place now to beat Sligo on Saturday so. confident? yeah you have to be um, there's no point in going on, on, onto the pitch and not confident in your, in your ability and in the, with the players around you so yeah we, we'll be looking home win Dan and, and is Jerry Little under pressure? Um, he's getting close to it I think yeah I think if I mean Craig Rodden left during the week by mutual consent when that sort of thing starts to happen you're wondering 
you know what what just what's 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 happening you know and you talk about like you look at a team like Waterford that's won every game at home this season and then you have Sligo on the other side of things who because the, the Derry switch around they're going to have a run of away games coming at some stage too to counter the mm. home games that they've had prediction um, time I, I wonder will Sligo just have to just come and make themselves difficult to beat that's and a get, draw, back, then. get back in the road I can see this going towards a draw yeah first division at Lone Town at home to Cove Ramblers Cabin Teeley at home to Shelburne Dublin Derby draw the United against Longford in the tie of the round uh, unless UCD and Finn Harps is which is also Friday night and uh, Gaw United against Wexford obviously Shane Keegan's old club there the oldest outfielder per club Dundalk Stephen O'Donnell 32 Waterford Keegan at 33 Cork Bennett at 36 uh, Joey O'Brien at Rovers 32 he's been injured Gavin Pearce at Derry played well I believe on Saturday night 32 Patrick's Killian Brennan hasn't been playing much this season injured 34 Bose Detzer what a, what a pro 33 year old uh, Marco Sullivan at Limerick did we mention we did mention him yeah. uh, Raf Cotaro at 36 and finally Bray anyone Connor Kenneth Connor Kenneth Connor at yeah. 33 um, so that's it Dan um, it was great having Clarkie on belatedly we've been trying to get him on a bit this season but Finally, the, snow, yeah. the snow the snow, snow and I, I, I must say to, like, he was meant to come in the day after the 8-0 and he was going to come he, in he said to me that night in Oriel he goes listen I'm not I'm not hiding from it but then not hiding in the igloo literally no he'd been looking up the weather <laughs> forecast and he had, he had a plan in mind right. but um, no it's, it's good to have you in and get the goalkeeping perspective on a Topical at the moment. Yeah. So that was season two, episode nine, and uh, we're back next week uh, after another fascinating round of games. And uh, I can just say, from my perspective, I need the very best luck to Pats with this fantastic endeavour. I hope it works out, and uh, we shall see you next week. But there are limits to your life.